my prayer is that really God will open up our eyes to, to what's going on around us. Because um, I think sometimes we, we misjudge what's going on around us. And we, uh, we get so focused on what is right in front of us that we don't always see the inner workings of things that are in the invisible world and how that affects us. And uh, um, I'm praying that we will see um, we will see correctly about this because I also know there's a lot of flakiness out there uh, about this, and people are often um, taking this too far and and using this for you know selfish purposes, etc. And so we want to stay really true to Scripture. We want to really be not uh, sensational. Uh, we just want to be true to Scripture, but we want to be powerful as Christians. We want to walk in God's authority. We want to walk in His power. And we want to be able to receive everything and every part of uh, the life that Jesus had died for and paid for. Would you agree with that? Yeah? It's something... I believe... um, It's something I believe... um, It honors Jesus when we fight for the things that He already paid for. At any given point in time... None of uh, every, every one of us are um, lacking the fullness of the victory that Jesus had bought on the cross for us. Every single time we sin again, we're lacking that full victory that Jesus Christ paid such a dear price for. We just went through Easter, and I mean, God just moved in our midst during Easter, and it was just such a phenomenal time. But, um, if we don't engage in this fight, we won't get every part of God's victory that He has uh, made available to us this side of the grave. And so I'm going to say this, that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're good. You're going to be with Jesus in eternity. And there the full victory will be yours. And we can't even imagine what that is going to look like and what that's going to be. But we need to know that the Bible says that he did not just die for us to have victory in the life hereafter. He died so that we might have victory now and that we might experience that life and the fullness of that life in him here on earth while we're still um, living and while there is still the option of sin. And while we are still you know, able to choose against him, yet don't. That honors him when we choose to follow and obey Him. And so I pray that as we go through this series, we will really realize the the devil's schemes. We will really understand his ways, his patterns with us, um, and and how he gets to trip us up uh, often. And so we can come against that and just take back ground that he might have stolen in our personal lives. You know, he might have stolen in our, in our marriages, in our, in our, in our children. Uh, take back ground that he might have stolen in, our, in things like our, you know, our well-being, our emotional well-being, our settledness, our peace, um, our financial well-being, our, uh, just our perspective of what it means to be a successful person, our identity, our self-worth. There are so many areas that the devil comes and takes ground from us that prevents us to live that, uh, that, that Zoe life, that life in its fullness that the Bible gives us in Christ Jesus. The Bible promises in Christ Jesus. So this series, my objective is not to make you afraid of what is unseen, but to help you see that you will have victory over it. 
and how to have victory over it. And what are the steps that you need to take in your personal walk with God to be able to have victory over what is in the unseen. I know Hollywood paints a grim picture of what is in the unseen. Um, I also believe that the Bible uh, gives us a, 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 a weight balance that we need to get correct. The Bible talks about a big God and a defeated enemy. And even though the defeated enemy has power and influence here on earth, he is nonetheless a defeated foe. But we don't always get to experience that when we're sitting in the middle of a marriage crisis, when we're sitting in the middle of a child going uh, you know, off, the, off the reservation, and, uh, or when, we've, when we're battling self-worth and depression. We don't feel those, that victory necessarily, and that's where uh, enforcing it becomes so, va- so, so, so valid. So let's start reading from Ephesians 6 verse 10. But before that today, we're going for round one of Fight Club. All right, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So that you can take your stand. Put on the full armor so that you can take your stand. This is an immediate um, conclusion that, hey, you're not just putting on armor for no reason. You're putting on armor because you're going to need to take a stand against the devil's schemes. The first point I want you guys to realize today is that the devil is real. The devil is not a symbol. He is a person. He's not just some, you know, uh, weak part of us. No, he is a complete individual in himself. He has characteristics. He has personality. He has emotions. And he, um, he used to be an angel uh, that was created by God for the purpose of bringing glory to God. Mr. Mark, there's like a hum every time I talk. It's like a very low-end hum. Thank you. And he, the Bible says that pride rose in his heart because what he thought was meant for God, he started desiring for himself glory, honor, praise. And when that pride seed arose in his heart, the Bible says that God judged him for it and he fell and he was the originator of pride and sin and evil. It all started in him. And so since he's the origin of all this evil, um, God, uh, God, excommunicated him from heaven. He, he, he rejected him from heaven. And the Bible said he was cast down to the earth. He's a fallen angel is also a way that um, the Bible describes him. But I want us to be clear. There isn't a war between God and Satan. Um, that was dealt with 2,000 years ago on the cross, more than 2,000 years ago. Satan lost that war like we sang here today. And by the way, when we sing songs, I want you guys to be aware of the words that we sing. Because we choose these songs not because they're hip and happening. We choose these songs because they convey and carry a message. A message that if you would live by them. Let me say today's song set, if you would just live by it, it will be victory for you. Can we be a, a congregation that starts living the songs we're singing? Man, I, I got that in my heart. I needed to say that today. I want us to be a church that actually... um, actually attempts to live the songs that we sing. They're not just there to get get us going in the morning and get the sermon started. No, that is the beginning of the sermon. 
Every single morning when you get here, that's part of our sermon. That's part of our message. And so whatever you read on, those, on that screen and sing and confess with your mouth becomes a possibility, an opportunity for you to align your thinking with the word of God represented in those songs. And as you make those confessions, what you're doing is you're influencing your life. You're bringing your emotions, you're bringing your thinking in line with God's word. And as we'll see today, that is as important a part of warfare as is anything else. And our worship, we're going to talk about worship being warfare. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about our confession, our thoughts, how all of that winds up being part of the spiritual battle that we're in. So the devil is real. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind, because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the devil is out there trying to destroy us. He's looking for an opportunity to bring us, get us away from God. And if you're unaware of this, how many of you know Ignorance isn't bliss. Maybe for a moment until the devil realizes your ignorance. And then he will start prying in on that place of your ignorance. And he will start chipping away at you. And eventually he gets his way with you. Whether you believe it or not, he is real and he and his cohorts, which are called demons, which are also just fallen angels, which lined with him, which sided with him in the uh, rebellion against God um, and, and, and were also judged and expelled from heaven. Um, they're all out on a mission and that mission is to get you to separate again from God. Or if you're not saved, to stay separated from God. How many of you have ever felt that um, the minute I decided to do something about my life, it's like all hell broke loose? How many of you felt when I, when, I, when, I, when I try to make a new commitment to Jesus or when I try to take a step of growth or the minute I, you know, I, 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 I propose that I'm going to you know, take maybe, uh, go, go to do next step to become a member or I'm going to start serving, all of a sudden my, my whole life just feels like it's going into disarray and I go, oh no, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Why do you think of those things always that well aligned to our decisions to follow God? It's because the enemy is aware of where we're at in our journey. And he will do every single thing he can to try and prevent us from taking those steps of growth. And so C.S. Lewis wrote this. It says, there's two equally wrong and equally damaging errors in thinking when it comes to the devil and his demons. The first is to disbelief disbelieve in their existence. Just not thinking he's there and he's real makes you an, <laughs> the easiest target because you're ignorant of his, of, of his presence. You're not even guarding. You're not even, you're not even you know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're getting ready for someone to punch you, you're bracing, you know? When somebody's going to punch you in your gut, you're like, that's your, you're bracing. Well, what, what, what's the worst gut punch? The one you didn't brace for, right? The one just hit you out of nowhere. Just, what does that do? It just completely takes your wind out. Didn't see it coming from nowhere. Well, if you're unaware of the devil's presence and his devices, you're like that. And every single now you guys are getting a gut punch because you're not bracing, because you're not actually acknowledging his existence. The second and equally, like C.S. Lewis says, damaging error in thinking is, is to have an unhealthy interest in them. 
We've all seen those people and we've all heard those preachers who, you know, everything is the devil, you know. <laughs> you know, the devil gave me a speeding ticket. No, that was, um, you know, the state trooper that caught you speeding. <laughs> um, and guess who was wrong? You. You should not have been speeding. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and, and if you obeyed God, you would not have been speeding. Okay, I'll back off. I'll back off. Don't fight me. All right, don't fight me just yet. All right. Um, sometimes we think the devil gave me high blood pressure. No, it's probably because, you know, rice and gravy is your blood type. Brown gravy, you know. We can't place our responsibilities on the devil. You need to take care of what you need to take care of. Your body is your responsibility. Your decisions are your responsibility. And don't go rebuking the devil, you know, when you... Get a, get a flat tire. That was life, all right? And in this life, things are broken and things don't always go according to plan. It's not the devil and his demons um, in that minute attacking you. And the, 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 the quicker we, we, we get that unhealthy interest uh, <laughs> balanced with Scripture to know what is the devil's plans, and what is his attempts do, the better for us, because then we can also acknowledge the true existence of these, the, 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 these presences, and we can deal with them correctly. And so stop blaming the devil for things you should have been taken care of. If you never loved your wife and she wants to divorce you, it's not the devil attacking you. It's you having not invested, and now you need to go and repent for that. And you need to ask, let's see how we can correct this. And you need to make different decisions from now on so that you can bring restitution. In other words, you need to make right what you broke. You can't just pray that away. And so the devil is real, but we also have to re take responsibility of our own actions. We can't deny his presence. We can't blame him for everything. But there is a point that needs to be made that there is more to this life than just the physical world that we experience around us. Um, uh, Ephesians 6 verse 12 continues and it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These forces exist. They do exist and they do have an agenda. And their agenda is to get you separated and keep you separated or to get you to separate again from God. So when you're having a, you know, a physical fight, whether it's with your wife or with your kids or with your et cetera, et cetera, there is an element of that that is just your bad decisions or you just doing wrong things. But there's also a place where the devil can take opportunity on that and then he can add division that doesn't resolve. He can add bitterness that doesn't, that, that doesn't resolve. Uh, he, can, he can influence you to not want to forgive, which then makes the conflict unable to heal, to stop. And so we always need to recognize that, look, the fight here might be with, but it's not against the person, the physical situation that I'm dealing with. The real fight is actually against not allowing the devil to take opportunity in this and create further damage than I already did. Because so often I find guys like, okay, good. Um, you know, <laughs> when did this start? 
No, this started years ago. Okay, wh- wh- why hasn't this been dealt with yet? Well, you know, this and this happened, and then I didn't want to, and when I wanted, she didn't want to, and <laughs> before you know it, you know, a couple of years later, we're in, you know, the 10th level of anger and conflict and frustration because what we, what, we do, what we don't do when we fight with is we don't recognize that every single time we lose our peace, there is an opportunity for the devil to insert lies that will have further ramifications in the fight that I'm having with because I'm not recognizing that my true fight is against the agenda and the plans, the ultimate bigger plans of the enemy. And let me tell you this, ultimately the devil is not out to get your kids. He's not out to get your marriage. Ultimately, he's out to get your faith. He wants to break your trust in God because that's what he hates. He hates the fact that we trusted God and submitted to him when he didn't. That's what he hates. How many of you know when we have sin in our lives, we hate that other people do things right? It's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. We judge and, you know, we kind of just like, you know, brush off or condemn or we kind of just separate ourselves from people that are doing things that we know we should be doing, but we're not doing yet. But them doing it is kind of makes me feel condemned that I'm not doing it. He hates the fact that we've submitted our lives to God and that we have put our trust in Jesus and we're trying to follow him. And he tries at every avenue to get you to not do that. Fact is, you're in a fight. You're in a fight. Verse 13 of Ephesians 6 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. After you've done everything to stand, we are in a fight and we need to better prepare ourselves for this. Let me, let me tell you this. If you've been in a struggle of any kind for longer than a week, you've allowed the enemy to take control of your life. In fact, the Bible says when it comes to conflict between people, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now imagine some of y'all sitting with years of conflict, unresolved issues between each other. No wonder things are so hard. No wonder things aren't going because we're not preparing ourselves and we're not recognizing that, hey, if I keep continuing this this ignorance and not being prepared for this, the devil is going to take me out. He's going to take out my marriage. He's going to take out my kids. He's going to take out my work. He's going to take out my sanity. It's going to take out my emotional well-being. He is on a rampage. And we're just letting him have a field day on us because we're not doing the necessary things to guard ourselves, to brace, to engage the real fight that we are uh, contending against. Jesus wants the exact opposite for us. But Jesus' life comes with conditions. His love is unconditional, y'all. If you have faith in him, you'll go to heaven. But if you want any, res- any semblance of Christ's life manifest in this life, you have to do a couple of things, right? Number one, you have to learn what James 4 verse 7 says, 
It says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice the order there. Submit yourself to God comes first. If you're not submitted to God, don't try and resist the devil. Don't try and resist the devil. There were these men in the days of Paul who were seeing Paul's ministry and how powerful he was in casting out demons, etc. And so someone that was demon possessed uh, came and they wanted to cast out the demon out of this person. <laughs> and so the Bible says they went to this person and they said, demons, you have to leave in the name of the Jesus that Paul is preaching about. And the Bible says that the demon possessed man gathered them up. We have a word in South Africa, it's called frommel. All right, it's when you literally, you know, what you do with a, a, a bottle of water when you're done. You just, you know, you crush it together and you close that cap to keep it small. He frommeled them together and he just threw them out of the house. They had absolutely no authority. Why did they not have authority? Because they themselves did not know Jesus. They wanted to do something that they thought was a formula. They thought if we would just, you know, uh, come close enough to it or make reference to it, that it will work for us. Making reference of Christian principles don't work for you until you've submitted yourself to them. Until you've come into obedience under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, none of this battle can be fought successfully. This is probably the most important point of this whole series that we're going to share because everything we're going to share is contingent upon this point. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So many times we've come and we've said, all right, let's pray about something. And we pray. But guess what? We pray in the name of the Jesus that the pastor is talking about. We pray in the name of the Jesus of that life group leader. Because I have not come under submission under his lordship yet. I have not made him my lord and savior yet. Let me tell you, this is not going to work for you. I'm very sorry to say. If you have been involved in Christianity and your life has not gained victory, it's probably because your life has not been fully submitted to God. And I know this is hard. But look, this is a fight, okay? So we're not going to pull some punches here. We're, gonna, we're not going to withhold punches during this series. If you want Christianity to work for you, listen to what we have to say in this, in this series. You have to submit to God. You have to come into alignment with His will for your life. Look, I know you have fanciful ideas about how your life should have been and what should have happened and what God should have done. The problem is you're not God. And if God is not sovereign and able to make up his own mind, he can't be God either. So what do you want? Do you want a God that can save you? Or do you want a God that you're comfortable with? Because you can't have both. The God that can save you is going to say stuff to you that you don't like, that you need to do. The God that you're comfortable with that kind of make up your own mind He's going to let you do whatever you want, however you want. But guess what? That God can't save you. He can't help your marriage. He can't help your kids. He can't help your business. He can't help your emotional well-being. He can't help because he's not God. You're God. 
Who's telling who what, to do, what, what, what needs to happen? Well, Lord, this is how I'm going to live my life. Well, let me tell you, go ahead, God, live your life. But now you're God because you make decisions about your life, about how it needs to go, what you will do and what you won't do. You have to therefore face the enemy yourself. If you want God's protection, come under it. Come under it. You have to make a decision. This is, this is, the, this is the line in the sand. Which side are you on? Are you on your own side? Or do you want to be on God's side? Let me say this to you. If you want to be on your own side, that's all good and well. Don't blame Christianity that your life isn't working. Don't blame God that it's not going right with you. Don't blame God. Don't blame the devil either. That was your decision. So my absolute encouragement to us here today, if we're going to be a people that lives the songs that we sing, if we're going to be a people that can appeal to God for help, appeal to God for, for, for His intervention in our lives, we have to lay down our crowns, get off our own thrones, get on our knees and submit to Jesus. You have to make a decision here today. Do you want God? This is how you get Him. You don't get Him with a whole bunch of prerequisites and a whole bunch of conditions. Yes, God, I will serve you, but I'm not letting go of this. I will serve you, but I'm not doing that. No. In Luke 6, verse 46, the Bible, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples and he asks them, Why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? See, it's a contradiction. If he is your Lord, then the only appropriate answer is, yes, sir. You want me to go repent to my, my husband about this? Yes, sir. You want me to go and do this with, you want me to give that away? Give up my boat? You want me to give up that part? You want me to stop fishing so I can spend more time with my family? Yes, sir. Guys, this is really practical. There is nothing very spiritual about this point. It's all about, am I willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads? And I'm not saying that the things I mention are by de facto what you need to do. I'm saying you need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And when he tells you to do something, don't go, well, why don't he have to give that up? He does not have, that thing doesn't have power over him like it has over you. And so until I know that you are submitted to me and you can say no to that thing because you have gained authority over that thing in your life, you shouldn't have that. Now we're not talking about obvious things like, you know, obvious sin right? You know, addictions and all that. No, we're talking about things that are not necessarily as defined in scripture. Fishing is not a sin, but can you say no to it 
to respond to a need in your family, to your children? Can you say no to that invitation to go hunting because your family needs your time? If you can't, then that is controlling you. You need to cut that off to submit yourself to God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. It continues to say, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Your authority in your life, it's only as strong as your obedience. If you're struggling to obey God, then that just tells you you're in a fight. You're in a fight. And you're struggling. And you need help. And you need to team up with people that are stronger than you to help you win until you grow strength in that area. But at all costs, grow in your obedience to God. Every step of obedience is a step away from defeat and a step away from destruction. All right, let's get into the next things. Once you've submitted to God, how do you resist the devil? There are a couple of things. We're going to unpack these, but I'm going to give you a, a, a summarized version of some of the things, many of the things we're going to talk about, and then we're going to, we're going to go into more detail and practice them really together here uh, in the next couple of weeks. The first thing we need to do is we need to recognize and demolish strongholds. Recognize and demolish a stronghold. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a powerful influence in your life that is caused by a lie or deception that was brought about by something or someone in your life. Okay, so if you, like I said, if you can't say no to that thing, then there's a stronghold. Why? Because it's usurped your authority. It's preventing you from making decisions according to the logical need that you right now have. And you will go and fulfill this desire rather than do what is right and necessary for you. It's such a strong influence that you can't say no to it anymore. People who have been addicted to things know exactly what I'm talking to. If you've been addicted to anything, I've yet to, uh, maybe, maybe they exist, I don't know. But addicts usually start hating the thing that they're addicted to at some point and want to get out, but can't. <clears throat> Why? Because it's become a stronghold. It has, it has entered into a place, and in the ancient world, uh, prosperous cities would not only build massive walls around them, right? They would also have this, this bunker, this, this place of safety that if the wall perimeter failed, the authorities of the, of, of the city and their guards could move into the stronghold, and they could retain power of that city because the most important aspects of the city still operated within that stronghold. Once the stronghold was breached, was the city won, not the wall, perimeter wall. Okay. So if you have a stronghold, it means that there is a th authority over you locked away in that place that is such a powerful influence over you. It literally causes you to do things that you don't want to do. How many of you have realized that, man, I, I'm just like, I hate the pride in my life. But every time I have to humble myself and admit something, I just can't do it. 
I just can't do it. I will hold my line and I will stand and I will defend me and my actions, even though I kind of know that, you know, it wasn't entirely right. It's a stronghold. Addictions, I've mentioned them. Anger. How many of you fly off the wall sometimes for the smallest things when something was touching your, a nerve was touched or something that you just didn't like? And you think to yourself, man, I really shouldn't have reacted that strongly to that smaller thing. But I just, I can't help myself. Stronghold. How many of you compare yourself? You just can't seem to live life as you. You always have to try and be what other people are. You're struggling to just have worth in yourself. Stronghold. How many of you are not able to forgive certain people in your life? Well, you know what? I'll forgive anybody, but I can't forgive that person for what he did there. That was just, it was just too much. Stronghold. How many of you are fearful of something that's just irrational? You just don't want to be in the dark or you just don't want to be, you know, um, going to certain places or doing certain things. Stronghold. And I can say the same for anxiety, depression, suspicion. Some of you just can't trust. You just cannot. No matter how much you try to trust, you're always having this suspicious uh, um, uh, um, tendency and you can't break through it. Even though you don't want to anymore, you're just, you can't do it. Stronghold. Fear of abandonment. Fear of rejection. You see, what we need to do in our lives is we need to start thinking, what are the things that are having influence over us that make us do things, that cause us to do things that we don't want to do anymore? Because let me tell you this, when you become a Christian and you submit yourself to God, a nature change happens in the inside of you and you don't want to sin anymore. If you have not being born again, you won't understand this. Because you can do Christianity as a cultural deal, but always rue the fact that you're not allowed to go and sin, not allowed to go and do certain things. Oh, I can't do that because you know what? I'm a Christian, you know. If your nature changes on the inside, you don't want to sin anymore. Now, do I, do I say by that that you never sin? No. <laughs> what I am saying is that when you sin, you feel literally like trash. When your nature shifts and you become on the inside, God shifts, changes your nature. He makes you alive again. The Bible says we are endued with righteousness. He gives us His righteousness because we can't earn it. You can't go to church enough to get righteous. You can't pray enough prayers to get righteous. You can't, nothing you do can make you righteous. The only thing that can make you righteous is if you put your trust in Jesus to do it. And then he says, because you trusted in me, I will give it to you, gift it to you. We are gifted righteousness, but that means that we become righteous on the inside. And therefore, when we choose to sin now, we feel real bad. Now, get this. Christians become born again. They don't want to sin anymore, but they have these strongholds in their lives that are influencing them to do things they don't want to do. No wonder so many Christians are feeling so bad about themselves because they don't want to do these things, yet they continue to do them. Does that sound familiar? You need to recognize these strongholds in your life, and then you need to destroy them because they are your enemy. They're not your friend. We're going to unpack this a little bit more, but let me tell you this. People struggle with things, and then they start saying things like this. You know, my anxiety 
is just causing me to not be able to do this and that and the next thing. You've done one thing right. You've recognized that there's a stronghold of anxiety. It has powerful influence over you, and it's causing you not to do certain things and do certain things that you don't want. What you're not doing, though, is you're not destroying that thing. You're partnering with it. By calling it your anxiety, you've embraced it as a legitimate part of you. Can I give you one of the best secrets of fighting in this spiritual war? Never partner with one of your weaknesses. Never accept it as something that's just germane to who you are, like you've been created like that, because you were not created like that. In Christ Jesus, you were created to be victorious, to have peace, not to have anxiety. And the same counts for everything. Now, I'm not yet going into how do we deal with this. I'm just saying you need to deal with this. Sometimes you're going to need to deal with this through counseling. Sometimes you're going to need to deal with this through prayer. Sometimes you're going to need to deal with this through medication. But you have got to deal with it. And there's no judgment to how you deal with it. As long as you reject its legitimacy in your life and you try to get it out. You know what? Sometimes we need to fight dirty. Because the enemy isn't fighting clean. So if I have to pray, counseling, medication, if I need to do all of them, I'm going to do all of them. And I'm going to carry a pocket knife. Scripture. Just a small one. Okay, I can reference during the day, real quick. Because I'm not partnering with things that are stealing from me. And so should you neither. You should identify these things, and then you should start a journey of infiltrating that stronghold. Now, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it takes time. But you need to commit to that journey. Because you won't get free and you won't get the John 10, 10 life that Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and destroy, but I came that you might have life and that in abundance. You won't get that. Because that stronghold is controlling you. And because you're not, no, you don't know it, you haven't recognized it, you're ignorant about the enemy's devices, he's just keeping you in check. Every time you try to do something, every time you try to step out and just, you know, Put yourself out there a little bit to make connections with people that might help you a little. Anxiety comes and says, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're anxious, remember. Oh, yeah, my anxiety, my anxiety. I better not try to, try to do that. Right in that minute, you need to recognize that this thing is of the devil. And it's destroying me. It's stealing from me. I need to press through till I can find help to overcome this thing. And I'm going to do that. Because I'm engaged in a fight. And I'm bracing. And I'm out to win. The third point is that you need to daily engage this fight. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Arguments. Where do arguments exist? All right. We take captive 
every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Let's, let's just work with our current example. Anxiety tells you, you can't do that. You're anxious. Wait a minute. No, I am not anxious. I've got the peace of God. But I feel anxious. I feel like I just need to run away. But Jesus said, no. He calls us out of the boat toward him. While there's storms, what am I doing? It's all up here. It's going on. It's going on. I am engaging the fight. I'm not just accepting what it tells me. I'm engaging it. I want to start a new business. I'm so afraid I'm going to fail. So I better just not do it. No. No. How do you engage the fight against fear? How do you engage the fight against any of these strongholds that are trying to control you and keep you in the defeated position that you are in? We have got to start memorizing Scripture. Saints of God, your victory lies in Scripture. It lies in your knowledge of the will of God. God's will is encapsulated in the Bible. A while ago, I had a, a picture of Smith Wigglesworth's Bible up on the screen. I said to you guys, he, what, he, what he believed of the Bible, he says, this, is, this, this book does not contain the words of God. This book is the word of God. It has life. It is a living word. It can break you out of any stronghold that you are in if it's correctly applied. But for you to start bracing and preparing for a fight, you need to memorize it. That's why we're so serious about getting in the Word. That's why we did the Daily Devos. If you haven't subscribed to it, it's a start. Every day we're reading a chapter of the New Testament and we're thinking through it. What are we observing out of it? What is it saying to us that those people believed? And then we're saying, how do I apply that to my life? Every single time you do that, Scripture is bringing life to you. But we need to go further. Look, it's not my job as the pastor to memorize Scripture. It's your own job as a saint of God. And by the way, the Bible calls the saints the believers of God, okay? Not some special guy who had a miracle done on his behalf. Believers need to memorize Scripture. If you don't have a Scripture memory verse, when some stronghold starts dictating to you what you ought to do, guess who you listen to? You listen to the stronghold and it'll keep you in your place. But the minute you have a scripture reference, how did Jesus fend the devil off when he was tempted in the desert? This is by the way, not just, you know, Joe Soap, the believer, this is Jesus Christ. Yet how did he fend off the devil? Number one, he was submitted to God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted of the devil. My goodness. He had to be submitted to God to go to that place. 40 days fasting. Nobody wants to do that, but you do it. Why? Because you're listening to God. You're coming under his protection. 
That's why when he said it is written and he quoted scripture, it carried authority because he was actually under the scripture. He was obeying God. Don't try and use the word of God if you're not obeying it. Why must the devil obey it if you're not obeying it? But he said it is written and he didn't have the pocket knife with him. Where was the word of God? Right here. Right here. It was memorized. It was internalized. He carried it with him in his heart. He had a scripture for every attack the enemy threw at him. And the Bible says, the devil left him. He left him. We've got to stop memorizing scripture. The second thing we've got to start doing is we've got to start Ephesians 6 verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now, I know some of you are scared to death of this. <laughs> but it's one of the amazing weapons that Jesus has given us to fight this battle. It's to pray in the spirit. So if you want to have the victory that Jesus bought on the cross, you've got to buy into the stuff that he gave us to overcome. So I'm just saying this to you. I am better for it because I can pray in the spirit. Now, it wasn't easy for me to get it. I had to pursue it. But so did, and so do you. Don't do it because look, if, I, if we could just, Pause for a second. How many of you all like playing church? How many of you like the game of church? You know, just coming on a Sunday, you know, just showing good face and then just going about your merry way and, and, and it never having an impact in your life. If that's you, this is going to frustrate you to death. But if that's not you, I am giving you literally the keys to jump out of that game and get into reality with Jesus. And for this life to be victorious, for Jesus' promises to actually be real for you. But you've got to come under the scriptures. We've got to accept God for who he is and allow his word to change us. Let me ask you this. What about you have changed in the last year that you've been in church? If nothing has changed, you're not doing it right. Because the Bible says the word of God transforms us from the inside out. That means you've not, you've heard it, but it hasn't entered into your heart. You've come close, you're here. That's the first good step. But now you need to take these words and let it in. And the only way you let it in is if you come under it, if you submit to it. And even if, look, remember we said you can either have the God who can save you, or you can have the God whom you're comfortable with. This one can't save you though. But this God over here gives you the tools. He gives you the weapons for the fight. And one of them is praying in the spirit. And that's how you engage the fight. You use scripture. You use scripture against the lies, against the deception, against the options, against the strongholds to demolish those strongholds and to get authority back in your life so that the devil will leave you alone. And the last one is you daily enforce 
the victory. Revelation 12 verse 11, excuse me, says, And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Now I want to start talking about something that's really important. Have you shared your testimony with anybody? Have you told anybody about your faith in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, one of two reasons. One, you haven't had, you know, you really been recently saved, um, and, and you're about to, to get into that. The other one is that you're not really living from your true identity. Why do I say that? I say that because, here's the, here's the thing. When my pastor came to me the, the one day and he said to me, I want to ordain you as a pastor. I said to him, no thanks. He was like, you know you're in ministry, right? I said to him, yes, but I don't need that. And he said to me, well, you don't understand what happens to somebody when he gets ordained. And I said, I, I might not fully understand it. I know the theory behind it. But right now, I never came into this to get ordained as a minister. I went into full-time ministry so that I can use all my available time to help people become Christians. Because I'm one. See, I believe I was both wrong and right in that sense. And later on, I can talk about how I was wrong. But I believe what I did right there was this. I was just living out of who I was as a Christian. I didn't need to be a pastor to talk to people about my faith. I didn't need to be a minister, quote unquote, ordained, given a title, to live my normal life just reaching out to people and telling them about the great work that Jesus did for me and how he wants to do that for them too and walk with people, help people to come to understand the journey that Jesus has for them. <clears throat> See, here's what I knew. I knew I was a Christian and nothing else mattered. Now, at that point, I could have been a Christian and an engineer and I would still daily have talked to people about Jesus. I could have been a Christian and I could have been a teacher. I could have been uh, an advocate I could have been whatever at that point in my life where I was at I knew I would have spoken to people about Jesus why because that was who I was why is that important it's important because if you don't know who you are you'll sometimes talk about Jesus and other times you won't because now no no no, no. now I am just you know I'm just businessman I'm, I'm Christian when I'm at my life group. I'm Christian when I'm on an outreach. No, your life is your outreach. Your job is your mission field. Your position is your pulpit. And if you are a Christian, that's where you should share your testimony from. That is where you tell people how you're following Jesus and what he did for you. Because you don't need to be a minister to have victory 
But you need to understand that you're a Christian and that you have a story to tell people about your faith because that's how we overcome. That's how you enforce the victory. You tell the story of how Jesus saved you. You tell the story of the next thing he did for you. You tell the story of the next thing he did for you. That stronghold that he broke out of your life. That pattern of sin that he helped you get out of. You tell the story. That's how you overcome and enforce the victory every single day. Knowing that, hey, this victory isn't something that I am working for. I am enforcing it because it was won on the cross by Jesus Christ already. I want to challenge you to start talking about your faith to people. If you're not talking about your faith, if you, don't, if, you, if you struggle to talk about your faith to people, it's simply this reason. That you're still in that process of, of, of settling with really who you are. Because if you're completely comfortable with the fact that you're a child of God, no place is inappropriate. No person is going to be a worry of, oh, offense, or I'm going to do it wrong, or etc., etc. No, why? Because you can't do anything else. This is who I am. I'm a person of faith in Jesus Christ. He saved my life. He made the biggest difference for me. He helped me see me for who I am. He helped me value myself. He helped me to settle my peace. I got rid of all of this. I'm so thankful to Him. I used to be an addict, now I'm no longer. I used to be uh, anxious, now I am no longer. I used to be like a failure, now I'm a success. I used to be, but now I am. What is your used to be, now I am story? That is what you just need to be sharing with people because that's who you are. And if you start living your life like that, you start enforcing the victory that Jesus has bought on the cross for you. Submit to God. Recognize those things that are in your life. Don't partner with them. Reject them and start the journey of trying to get them out of your life. Engage the fight. Get in Scripture. Memorize Scripture, especially in the areas that you have struggle. Especially in the areas that you have struggle. Learn how to pray in the Holy Spirit. Pursue the Holy Spirit for that spiritual language. It is a faith builder like no other. And start telling your story to people. Start telling your story to people. Start saying thank you to Jesus for what he did for you by letting people know who you really are. And then we'll close with Psalm 19 verse 14 that says this, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation thoughts and every movement of my heart always be pure and pleasing and acceptable before your eyes, my only Redeemer, my protector God see when you start doing this when this becomes your heart's cry every time you fail at it you stand up and you say thank you Jesus that I am washed clean by your blood even though I failed right now it didn't shift my, my righteousness it didn't change my orientation with you I am still a son of God I'm still a daughter of the most high I'm still righteous I'm still made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ and father I just want to say I'm sorry that I failed right now but I'm coming back stronger Round two is coming. I'm in the corner right now, but I am receiving your word over me. You see, the word of God becomes a little, little 
corner coach, that it's just telling you, hey, you need to get your footwork right. Hey, you need to put your hands up. Hold your hands up. You, you need to brace. You need to pre- prepare for that uppercut. You can't just be unaware of this thing. You need to m- listen to my words. Jesus is saying today to us, listen to my word. It gives you everything you need to live a godly life. Everything we need. The Bible says, to live a, a godly life has already been given to us. Not has to be, has been given to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that today, the most important thing we can do today, Lord, is to recognize that we have not been submitted to your word. We have tried to do this Christian thing on our own rules, in our own way, in our own understanding. We have not followed your pattern. We have been our own Lord. We've expected you to save us, but not to guide us. And Father, we want to change that today. If that's you here right now today, I want you to, if you have, if you have expected Jesus to save you, but you have not allowed him to guide you, And today you want to come under His submission. You want to say, Jesus, I declare you as my guide. My step-by-step guide. Put up your hand right now. Put up your hand right now. Father, we just come and say, we want you to be our step-by-step guide. Every person with a hand raised, Father. We want you to be our step-by-step guide. Because we want to win. We want to get healthy. We want to get strong, Lord God. So that we can go out and make a difference. So we can go out and make disciples of all nations, Lord. But we want to win, Lord. We want to win. And we acknowledge, Father, that we have been, we've been trying to just guide our own selves. We've been trying to come up with our own good ideas of how we, how we should do things. And Lord, we repent of that today. We're sorry, Father, that we, we, we thought that our thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That our ways are higher than your ways. Lord, we repent, Lord God. Forgive us, Jesus. Thank you that you've cleansed us of this sin. But thank you, Father, today we can come under submission to your word and we can as uncomfortable as it is Lord God learn your word and bring change to our life so that our lives will fit into your word and not the other way around expecting if you believe that and that's you praying that prayer today say amen